You're listening to a Share Radio podcast. A pension crisis. It's horrendous. Threatening with debt collectors and the bubble that's going to cause financial havoc. Let's talk about the speed with which we are watching this market deteriorate. What in the world is happening on Wall Street? The down traders are standing there watching in amazement. I don't blame them. Episode 12 of the Open University course. Be quiet. That leads to a certificate that you can put on your CV. Uh, what do you want? Do you want me to take the tape off? Oh, <laughs> oh please, Annie, please don't do this. Untie me. No, Glenn, I'm sick of you telling me what to do all the time. I've sucked all the financial knowledge out of you, and now I'm ready to get a mortgage. I want to be my own woman. No, Annie, please, you need me more than you think you do. What could I possibly need you for? Well, the flat you're buying, is it leasehold or freehold? Uh, uh, I don't, I don't know, but that's not important. It is, it is. I, it matters far more than you think. Is this just a cunning ruse to get yourself free? No, not at all. If, if it's a freehold property, then you really, truly own it. Mm-hmm. But if it's leasehold, like most flats are, then all you're really doing is buying the right to live there for a certain number of years. What? I don't believe you. I'm telling the truth. Look, please, Annie, just think about it for a second. You know I'm right. Just think. You better think. Think, think about what you're trying to do to me. Yeah, think. Untie these ropes and set me free. You think by you can pass it to your kids But you might find after 70 years It belongs to a guy called Sid Lease old flats are sold to you But they're never truly yours It may be yours for 99 years But it returns to its owner for sure Yeah, think about it, babe Right now, think about it right now Freehold, freehold, freehold Yeah, Remorseless financial logic. Fine, I'll untie you. <laughs> I'm free, I tell you. Free! All right, no need to bang on about it. So, look, how does this freehold leasehold business work? Well, a freeholder owns their property outright. Whereas if you buy a leasehold property, mm. usually a flat with a lease of typically 99 or 125 years, someone else then owns the freehold. And often it's a large property company. Oh, why do they do a leasehold for like 99 or 125 years as if you're going to live that long, like a lady in Okinawa? You might not live that long, but don't you want to pass your property on to your kids? Oh, yeah, that's probably a good point. You know, people do. They don't just want a property that just reverts to some other guy called Sid 
when they die. Well, this is true. All right, so how does it work then? The person who sold you the lease will charge you ground rent and service charges for the upkeep of the property and for repairs, buildings, insurance. Basically, they take care of the structure for you and the exterior of the property Mm. and any communal areas, and you pay them service charges to do that. And the costs can run into thousands of pounds a year. Thousands? Oh, forget that then. I'm going to find myself a freehold flat. Not so fast, Annie. Look, you're starting to get on my nerves again. I've still got those ropes, you know. All I wanted to say was that freeholds come with their own problems too, you know. You're you're responsible Mm. for the upkeep of the property. And if you share the freehold with the other flat owners in the same block, you might not agree with them on everything that needs to be done to maintain the flats. And sometimes when all the flat owners own a share of the freehold each, then it's called common hold. But it still comes with those same potential disagreements between all the owners. Okay, I see. So are there any actual, actual benefits to leasehold then? Doesn't sound like it. Well, it can be cheaper to buy a leasehold right. flat, particularly if it's got a short lease of 50 years or less. As long as you're confident that you're going to be dead before the lease runs out, you might get yourself a bargain. Wow, that is so cheery. So if you're a hugely overweight smoker, for example, who enjoys playing Russian roulette in your spare time, then a short lease might be for you. Exactly. And I've just thought of another reason why you need me. Why is that? Only I have the power and the know-how to deploy the financial planning model. And we need it right now to get you a flat. Curses! Stage one. Stage one, Annie, is... Assess the situation. That's right. So you've been budgeting for a while now. How are your finances looking? What kind of mortgage can you afford? Okay, well, now that I've reduced my spending, you'd be very pleased about that, I can now afford up to £1,000 a month in mortgage payments. And I've also, like many people do, run off to the bank of mum and dad to boost my savings. So I think I could put down a deposit of £40,000. Daddy, daddy, I need some money for buying a pony. Whatever, that's what they're there for. (laughs) They decided to have me. I'm their burden. You owe me. All right, well, that's excellent. You've done excellent there. Thank you. Time for the next stage. Stage two. It's decision time. Yep. Do we want to go for an interest only or a repayment mortgage? Well, probably repayment so that I'm paying off the mortgage capital as I go along and then it will be paid off after 25 years. That's my thinking. Fixed variable tracker. There's just so many options, though. There's all these different mortgage deals that have got their own attractions. It's like, I don't know, it's like some kind of beauty pageant for our money. Or kind of like a TV dating show. Just imagine. Oh, we're going all wobbly again. Hello, and welcome to Borrowing Love. Let's meet our contestant. Professional jockey, Abraham Ayer. Hello, Abraham. I prefer Abe. Great. Abe Ayer. What are you looking for today? Well, I'm looking for someone steady, but I'm also open to a bit of risk. So, Abe, what's your question for the girls? Well, I just want to know, if you became my borrowed love, what can I expect from you in the future? And that's for number one. Number one? It's Felicity fixed rate all the way from Farnborough. Well, hello, Abe. In our future, I'll be constant and true. And with me, your interests won't waver. Well, not for the next five years, at least. Same question for number two. Number two is Verity Variable from Venice. 
ciao, Abe. Well, I'm wild and unpredictable. We may have our ups and our downs, but the ride will certainly be exciting with me. Okay. And finally, number three. Three? She has a shared ownership from South End. (laughs) Hello, Abe, baby. You can have a lot of me, but not all of me. Part of my art still belongs to someone else. Well, for now, at least. So, Abe, you've heard from the girls. Now the choice is yours. Who will you take down the bank and promise to spend the next 25 years with? Well, I think I'm going to go for the safe option. It'll have to be number one. Well, that's all for tonight, folks. Tune in next week when we'll find out who will crash on my credit. I have seen some good value fixed rate mortgages. So what I can do is lock in a low rate for five years, for example. I reckon interest rates will probably go up rather than down. So I want to lock in low now. Well, there's not very far <laughs> for them to go in a downward direction, that's for sure. That's true. And Glenn, I've been using a mortgage calculator online. So I've worked out, based on my income, I should hopefully be able to borrow £120,000. So my flat hunting budget is £160,000. There yes. it is. There we go. I know. Have you Impressed. left yourself, though, a few thousand extra for fees and moving costs? Yep. And I've even still got a few grand tucked away for a rainy day. Wow. Mm-hmm. Look at you all planny. Are you impressed? Planny wanny. How does it feel to have it all there in black and white then? Actually, it's good. It's quite tough sitting down, working it all out. But once you do it, it's great because I know exactly where I stand. Time for stage three. Act on the plan. So you go house hunting. And yeah. then stage four, review the situation, which you may want to do a year or so down the line, just to check that the mortgage you took out is still a good deal. And what if it's not then? What do I do then? You'll find out after these messages. Oh, it's like a game show. Now I know you might think it is funny that I sing while I manage my money, but the better I manage my money, the more it makes me want to sing. And we're back. That was quick. I didn't even have time to make a cup of tea. I don't believe in long breaks. There's too much to do. So what should I do if my mortgage is no longer a good deal a year later? You remortgage. Remortgage. That's right. Hang on. Isn't remortgaging your house what you do when you've blown all of your money on the GGs and you need some extra cash to pay off the bailiffs? It's bad news, isn't it? Sometimes, yes, but sometimes it makes sense to do it just because there's a better mortgage deal to switch to. You're effectively, by remortgaging, paying off your old mortgage with the money from the new mortgage that you're switching to. Sounds like a lot of hassle. Can be. That's why people generally put it off. But it can sometimes save you a lot of money. Say you're on a fixed rate deal and after a couple of years it expires and you go on to the bank's standard variable rate. This can often be a pretty poor rate and you could save hundreds of pounds a year by switching to a better deal with a different lender or even sometimes with the same lender. So why do they put you on a poor rate? That seems pretty mean. It is a bit mean, isn't it? But, you know, they're not there for uh, the goodness of their heart. They're not there to make you happy, Annie. They're there to make profits. Mm, I guess so. But it does. It just seems a bit mean, really. You have a good deal with them. You sign up to it. And then all of a sudden, they hit you with an awful rate. Look, let's be honest here. Let's, Let's get real. Companies find all kinds of clever ways to try and profit from your intransigence or your laziness or any other psychological flaw that they can find. And it's exactly like that with mortgages, because if you don't switch and you just go on to their standard variable rate after your good rate has finished, then you might just stay there for years without doing anything. And they can make a bit of extra cash out of you before you suddenly wise up. 
Is that a bit like when you go for these 0% credit cards and then the deal runs out and then you're hit with a massive interest rate? Exactly. I mean, it's not just banks that do it, is it? All companies no. have clever introductory thing offers and things, you know. Come on, this... Sweeteners, yeah. I believe they call them. I got some Topshop vouchers when I uh, signed up for my student account. Yeah, it's like introductory offers from utility companies like broadband providers. Or you could get yourself a free meerkat. You could. A meerkat, that's a clever incentive, isn't it, to get you to go with them. <laughs> I actually remortgaged with the same lender a couple of years ago, the same one that I was already Ah. with. They had a slightly better deal than the mortgage that I already had. And because I was already with that bank, they didn't make me go through all the rigmarole of credit checking and form filling and all the rest of it all over again. I just did a few clicks online and that was it. I was switched to a different mortgage that was just cheaper. It was brilliant. What's their reaction to that, though? I'd be interested to know. So you just ring them up and say, Hiya, I'm currently with you. Uh, I'm on a rubbish deal. You've got a better one. Can you switch me to that? Do they go, Oh, yeah, of course, sir. Yeah, we'll that's, switch what, that's you exactly what happened. That's so good. I know, but you, they just rely on people not to do that, sure. I suppose. That's how they make their money. If everyone was like me and now you and all Ooh. our listeners, then these companies would have waffer-thin profits. Waffer. And that's how we want it. But aren't there fees to pay if you switch, though? Well, there can be exit fees to leave your current mortgage and more fees to take out the new one. So you do need to factor all those in to work out whether it's worth your while switching or not. And as I said, staying with my own provider made it easy. But if you went to another mortgage provider, another bank could be a lot more complicated. Yeah, that still sounds like a lot of hassle to me. Seriously, though, could save you a bundle, particularly Mm. if your home has gone up in value a lot, because that would mean that your loan-to-value ratio would have changed dramatically in your favour since you took out the mortgage. Explain. Here is an explanation that I prepared now. I'm going to sit back with my cup of tea and have a listen to this. Go on, Glenn. Say you bought a flat for £200,000 with a loan of £150,000. That is a 75% mortgage right there. Got it. But a few years on, let's say your house is now worth £300,000. It's gone up by hundred grand. Lovely. Which means that even if you haven't paid off any of that £150,000 loan, it's now only 50% of your home's value. £150,000 is half of £300,000. So you'll find that lenders would offer you much better interest rates if you remortgaged and got a 50 percent loan compared to your old 75 percent loan with the old mortgage provider you'd find much better rates around now so you're a more attractive customer then now you're talking you like i like well then you may even more like the next stage in our lucky homeowner's journey let's say their home keeps rising in value and they got all this equity i love equity maybe they start thinking about buy to let oh So the idea here is to buy property as an investment. You get a buy-to-let mortgage, you rent the place out, and the hope is that the rent will cover the mortgage payments plus all the maintenance and the other bills that you have to pay on your new place. And I guess you also pray that the place rises in value as well. Yeah, because the last thing you want with a buy-to-let is to end up in negative equity. No. Or to have it standing around empty for a long time, not earning you any rent. Smell funny as well. Probably smell more funny with people in it, wouldn't it? I don't know. That musty, not lived in smell. Anyway. Another downside is that unlike with your main home, if you sell a second home at a profit, then you have to pay capital gains tax on that profit. Though you don't pay capital gains tax on your rental income, luckily for you. Only if you actually sell the place. 
Still, though, a lot of people do make money at it, don't they? Like professional landlords, if you like. Yes, though the big bucks are often made by the property developers who buy run-down homes cheaply, then do them up and quickly sell them on at a profit. They flip them. Flip, I, I would love that. You know when you watch these programmes on t- telly and you see people buying stuff at auction and they buy them and they follow the progress and you think, oh, that's so cool. They buy somewhere really cheap do it up. Always, their dad's a builder or something, which Mm. is really irritating. Or, oh, I know an electrician. And the next thing, they've turned it around for like 30 quid and they've got themselves a 50 grand profit. I know. It helps to be a builder or to have a dad who's a builder or whatever. Just like you said, I was uh, chatting to an electrical engineer recently who had a degree in theoretical engineering. Whoa. Yeah, uh, he's very, very clever. And uh, he said... He's a friend of yours. I met him at a wedding. <laughs> sort of real friend. Anyway, he said, he said, Glenn, if I could give you one piece of advice. Sorry, it's posher than that. Glenn, if I could give you one piece of advice, tell your son to go into the building trade. Get himself some plastering, B-Tech, yeah. and, uh, and get building. He said he'll make a fortune. I believe him. I believe that man. Loads of money to be made. Mm-hmm. There's money in them there, bricks. There is, if you buy at the right price. Anyway, when you get round to selling a house, that is pretty expensive too. You will pay estate agents 1% or 2% of the home's worth to advertise it and show people around, unless you want to try and do it DIY on the internet, which mm-hmm. sometimes works for people. Yep. You'll still have to pay legal costs for the sale, though, and moving costs, obviously, oh. but only the buyer has to pay the stamp duty on more expensive properties, not the seller. It's financial style. Financial style. Now let's do stage three for real. Get out there, Annie, and get yourself that mortgage. (gasps) I'm scared. But why, Annie? Well, because now that I'm going to do it for real, it's just all a bit real. Real? So now that we're not just talking about it and you're actually going to go and do it, suddenly you're you're getting all... um, Goose footed. What's the phrase? Goose footed. <laughs> Getting Goose uh... Well, let's talk through your fears, shall we? Yeah. Let's express them through the medium of song. Okay. Oh, that was quick. <laughs> I know. Things are so much quicker on the internet these days. That was only about 30 seconds, Annie. As I said, the internet, it's amazing. I should try it. You should. Okay, then. Now we can have a proper go at stage four. Review the situation. Ooh. Let's put together your household balance sheet. Ooh. Work out your assets, mm-hmm. your liabilities, and calculate your net worth now that you've got a mortgage. I warn you. 
It may not be pretty. Now you've got that big old debt hanging over your head. Well, it's got to be done, Glenn. It's got to be done. Now, if I remember correctly, the household balance sheet would be a snapshot of my current financial situation. Exactly. And if you go to the Share Radio website, which I know you do frequently, in the Managing My Money section, you can find a blank household balance sheet with all the sections for you to fill in. You can even print one off for yourself. And it's free. 100% free, Annie, yes. Lovingly crafted by the Open University and rendered for you in classic PDF format, this tabulated document would make the perfect gift for a friend or a loved one, perhaps. Well, that's Christmas all sorted, then. You've got one lucky family there. Mm. So, first, you fill in your liquid assets on the household balance sheet. Do you remember which ones those are? Of course I do. I ain't no fool. So, liquid assets would be things which I own that can be easily converted into cash, like my bank account balances, for example, right? Yes, and also any debts that are owed to you and are due to be paid to you in the next year would come under this category. Do you think I'm some kind of loan shark? No, but if you were to decide on a career change to loan sharkery at some point, Mm. then those short-term loans would come under your liquid assets. Oh, right, I see. Okay. So what's on the other side of the balance sheet then? Your short-term liabilities, which are debts that you have to pay over the next year, bills you owe, credit card debt, bank overdrafts, that kind of thing. And then if you divide your liquid assets by your short-term liabilities, you get a very useful figure called the current asset ratio. The current asset ratio. What's so useful about that then? Especially as it involves long division and I haven't done any of that since primary school. It sounds scary. I'm going to do a really nice thing for you now. Something your primary school teachers would never allow. I'm going to let you use a calculator. Oh, you're all heart, Glenn. Actually, without even doing the calculation, you can get a very good idea of your financial position. You've got liquid assets above the dividing line and you've got short-term liabilities below it. So basically, if the top number is smaller than the bottom number, you're in a bit of trouble because it means that if you had to pay off all your short-term debts right now, you wouldn't have enough money. You wouldn't be able to afford to do it. That doesn't sound great. Would that mean bankruptcy? Could do. In an extreme situation, yes. Ideally, the top number would be several times larger than the bottom number to give you a margin of safety. So next on the balance sheet, when you've done all your current assets and liabilities, you add up all your longer term assets, your equity in your home, your car, any shares or other investments you've got collectibles too. Oh, my collection of priceless artworks. Warhols. There's no need for language like that, Glenn. So you add up all your assets and that's your total assets figure. Then you do the same for all your liabilities, like your mortgage and any other loans. So the total assets minus total liabilities would be your net worth? Well, remember, (laughs) net worth. And in your case, it's very negative net worth. Oh, there's no need to be negative about it. Well, it's not an ideal situation to be in, but kind of to be expected when you've just stretched your finances to get your first home. Mm. Hopefully, as you start paying off your mortgage, that figure will start to improve. And once your assets become bigger than your life... I've got to stop saying assets in that point. Once your assets... Once your assets become bigger than your liabilities, there's a useful figure you can work out called gearing. Yes, gearing. Gearing. You take your net worth figure. Yeah. You divide it by your total assets. Is there more to this? And then you multiply the result by 100. My brain's just exploded. Well, don't worry. You can find it all on the Share Radio website. Okay. On that household balance sheet, it shows you how to do the gearing. Oh, cool. So this gearing figure tells you how in debt you are exactly. And the higher the figure, the more you should worry about it because it leaves you vulnerable to shocks like a fall in house prices or losing your job. Even though it might sound a bit dull doing this, it's probably quite a good idea because it helps you 
manage your money in the long term, especially if you've got like a massive debt like a mortgage, because essentially that's what it is, isn't it? Exactly. It's not just a good idea to work at this kind of stuff out. It's pretty much essential. If you don't do it, then you might not know that you're in a desperately dire financial situation. I know it sounds weird. You'd kind of think, well, if I was in that dire situation, I'd know mm. about it. But you don't necessarily because we're talking about long term assets and long term debts. It's the kind of thing you don't really think about unless you sit down and look at it there. Look at yes. that page square in the face and say, oh, dear, what, what can, can the matter be? be? I'm going to have to get myself sorted. I'm going to have to pay off some debts. Mm. I find that if you've got a smartphone, having access to your bank balance on an app is a brilliant way to keep up to date with your finances. Because it's so easy to look at. You don't have to exactly. go to any hassle. You're just like, oh, I wonder how much money I've got. Oh, exactly. there it is. And that helps you keep everything in check. That's a great tip from you, Annie. Thank you so much. Don't sound so surprised. <laughs> you don't do the tips around it. I'm the tipster. Wow. I'm the guy with the tips. You didn't see that one coming, did you? No, I didn't. Totally curveball, oh, were you there? You're trying to rival me in the tipsticks. Hit you right between the eyes. All right. Well, seeing as you've got the upper hand once again, like you had at the beginning of that episode, I think that rounds off the episode nicely. It does. Nice one, Annie. Yeah. Respect is goes out to you. Thank you. I've yeah. got it in both hands. Here it is. And respect to our listeners for listening today. Enough respect to all of you <laughs> for listening. And please join us again for the next episode. If you're not familiar with our little format here, mm. you won't know that you've just listened to episode 12 of 16, which means that you're now ready to go onto the Share Radio website and do those quiz questions, which will result in you hopefully getting a statement of participation certificate from the Open University at the end of the course. So exciting. And you can stick it on your CV. Stick it on there. World-renowned university, Annie. It is. Yeah, Open University is not to be sniffed at. Don't sniff at it. Go get them, tiger.